Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the gripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. In music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious.
is the highest. Perception is the key, and the heart yeah. is the solution. Heart perception will change everything. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's the email, rdgable at yahoo.com. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. And social media, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. You can reach out to us there. The network, The Fringe FM, also has a website, thefringe.fm. You can check out the new applications for whatever phone you might have to download the Fringe FM app to listen to the show 24-7. There are some episodes of The Secret Teachings on demand. Otherwise, our archive on the website is where you can find all of the past episodes and our growing montage archive. This weekend is our Fringe Fest event as well, so you can check out that website, thefringefest.com, thefringefest.com. And if you use the name Ryan, R-Y-A-N, you also get a discounted ticket to that event. It's like $10, $15, so you get 15% off that. It's a fun, fun event to come out and to uh, listen to a number of speakers, give presentations. Last night we had Harold Kautz on the show. Harold will be presenting on the subject of artificial intelligence and black goo this weekend. And we had Karen Dahlman on Tuesday. She'll be presenting on the Ouija board and divination this weekend. We have a lot of other speakers from Brad Olson, who's a good friend of ours, to Charlie Robinson, to Jordan Maxwell, Clyde Lewis is going to be there, and a host of other speakers and authors and researchers. Uh, Jared Murphy will actually be attending. That just got confirmed as well. So that's Fringe Fest this weekend. We're pushing it hard this week since it's the last week, Friday and Saturday, thefringefest.com. Tonight on the broadcast, I have two of my favorite guests, Don Lester and David Parker, authors of the monumental work, that took them a very long time to complete, I think like a decade. What really makes you ill? Why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. And I thought I knew a lot about disease, and I thought I knew a lot about health until I read this book. Some of the stuff that I thought I knew, I guess I did know, but I learned a lot more in this book. So it's an amazing book. It's huge, hundreds of pages, like 700 pages or so. What really makes you ill? Why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. Don Lester and David Parker, welcome back to The Secret Teachings. How are you guys doing? Yeah, fine, thank you, Ryan. Lovely to be here. Yes, uh, as uh, Dawn says, lovely to be here. It's a few months since we've spoken to you, so uh, looking forward to uh, having another chat. Yeah, good stuff. As am I, and a lot has changed in the last couple of months. Uh, some parts of the United States were not allowed to have Halloween. Did you guys get Halloween canceled there? Did the bureaucrats cancel it? Uh, no, we've not had anyone cancel it, but because of uh, the ever-changing restrictions that they put on how many people can get together and, uh, you know, not uh, you can't have people from different households getting together. So they, they make it very difficult. Uh, but I suppose with Halloween, uh, probably with some of the things we're going to talk about with uh, the uh, normal candy that gets passed around at Halloween, maybe maybe those restrictions in some way will help out a little where children perhaps won't be exposed to some of the, what I call toxic waste. Uh, um, so maybe there'll be some good to come out of it. But uh, yeah, 
we, we there's clampdowns all the time and they keep moving it around the country and clamping various areas down more than others for no good reason um, other than their sort of harebrained schemes that they come up with. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess from little bits that we pick up, some of it is perhaps uh, more severe in various areas of the United States than it is in the UK. So we'll be interested to probably get your take on that. Yeah, here in uh, Ohio, which is just west of us here in New York, Ohio is having a um, the Reese's Company, the Reese's Chocolate Peanut Butter Company, they're having like some robot that they've designed go out and deliver candy to children. It's like a, It's like basically a robotic door, and the kids come up and it gives them candy, which I don't <laughs> see how that's safer than just going to a regular door, you know, or... My friend Mike D, who is a uh, co-host with us sometimes, he lives down in Florida, and his homeowners association told them not to deliver candy at the door, but to instead meet children in the driveway. It's safer. Just this makes no sense. No. Uh, none, not at all. Uh, it's just bizarre, isn't it? The, the, the stuff they'll come up with to try and say, oh, you know, this is a better idea. It's, it's absolutely bizarre but of course you know the idea that the kids still have to have their candy i mean it's it, it is bizarre well i suppose you've got this trade-off with the big uh, food or confectionery manufacturers obviously they want their money and i guess uh, it's a big money spinner for them so i suppose there's pressure put on governments to uh, make the rules so that uh, they can still make some money because um, as we all know they're not interested in the health of people uh, least of all children, um, <clears throat> but they are interested in profits because the whole thing's profit-driven, as I'm sure is no surprise to anyone. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, very bizarre. I mean, just while we're talking about bizarreness, I don't know whether you have it over there, but some of the rules that they've put on us over here, as well as opening and then closing and then opening and then closing sort of restaurants and bars and things like that, um, they have a rule where they've decided that the uh, coronavirus is more virulent um, from 10 o'clock in the evening onwards. So uh, any of those places that can be open, they can't be open beyond 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah, we have that here. Um, but we, here, it, here it's different. It's 9 o'clock in some places. Okay. I mean... Yeah, because the virus has got a watch, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable. And, of, and of course, they're now debating as to what special rules they need to um, bring together for controlling people at Christmas, you know, when obviously uh, families do want to get together. Oh, I haven't and, heard about that yet. And people are sort of asking the government, people are asking the government to please make some clear rules as to what they can and can't do at Christmas. Unbelievable just how compliant uh, people are, you know, which I think is... The most for us, and I'm sure for yourself, the most disappointing aspect of all of this is um, just how compliant people are, how they acquiesce and just start, as, as I've just said, starting to ask the government. They're asking the government permission as to what they can do at Christmas to see their relatives and friends, you know, unbelievable. Yeah, they were doing that more for Thanksgiving here, um, which is in oh. just a couple of weeks. They're saying in some parts of the United States, like you can have two family members over but not three and you can have a gathering of you know this many people but not that many people it's yeah. outrageous and also on that note i had four articles here that i wanted to mention that were very significant stories from the washington post the new york times and a few others and this is from the washington post a month ago the centers for disease control reverses itself 
and says guidelines it posted on coronavirus airborne transmission were wrong, and they claim that they were wrong because it was a website error. Quote, website error. These people have no idea what they're doing. None, none at all. I mean, uh, if you uh, track all the different uh, reports that have come out since, you know, even since March, um, you know, they're going backwards and forwards and uh, twisting and turning on, on all sorts of um, aspects. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that we did in, in the research for our book was to look at all the contradictions and anomalies. And when you see uh, so many, then you realise there's, there's something very wrong. Um, but because they're so obvious, as you say, you know, even reported in these mainstream uh, sources, uh, which is, again, uh, surprising. But it's just uh, amazing, as, as David said, you know, we don't comprehend how people aren't becoming more aware and or, or even starting to question things and say, hang on a minute, there's something not right here. Yeah, I don't know what it's. I don't know what it's going to take. What did you guys think about the the Centers for Disease Control in the United States posting on their website? I don't know if you heard about this. It's big here in the states. They, this is a quote: ninety four percent of COVID nineteen deaths had underlying medical conditions. And if you go read it, they say ninety four percent of COVID nineteen deaths, which includes ninety plus percent of normal flu deaths, had two and a half average medical conditions like obesity, diabetes, cancer, etc. So that's on their website. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. we saw that when the reports came out, the, the more truthful reports in Italy, you know, which a month or so ago was supposed to be one of the sort of COVID hotspots, you know, where people were dying. But again, when the authorities, their authorities actually put out the reports, it was plain to see that the majority and I do mean the majority, if not all, the people that had supposedly died of COVID um, were all very elderly and had gone into hospital with two or more serious underlying health uh, problems, uh, who were then, many of them were put onto ventilators, which as people perhaps know is a very invasive uh, course of action for the hospitals to take, you know, and involves putting the people under general anaesthetic. Uh, and showing pipes into their lungs. Um, so very invasive. Uh, so, uh, and of course, then filling them up with some very powerful uh, antiviral drugs. So it's hardly surprising that the vast majority of those elderly people died. Uh, but of course, the deaths were put down to COVID when there were nothing of the sort. I mean, I've said many times, I've yet to see and I challenge anyone, any doctor to prove through autopsy that anyone anywhere in the world has died from this uh, supposed COVID virus um, because well, we, we know very well they can't prove that because they can't and haven't proved that uh, there is such a virus exists. You know, as we've said many times, it's never been, and we may want to talk about some of these uh, papers that are supposedly scientifically based that have been circulated, but when they're examined, it's easy to see that none of them actually uh, have done what they purport to have done, which is they purport to have uh, purified the virus uh, and to have met Cox postulates, uh, which is to fully categorise the virus. And then finally, to have proved that it uh, does cause the disease, which means taking that purified virus and uh, uh, introducing it into a healthy person who then is supposed to develop the disease. I mean, I know that 
sounds bad, but they've never done any of these things, and these are their rules, and yeah. they've never done that. So yeah, the CD- they've never done the most basic thing, which is prove that the virus exists. The CDC uh, actually published a report just a few weeks ago. I'd have to dig up a copy of it again. Uh, I think it was on David Icke's website. My friend sent it to me as well, but it was from the Centers for Disease Control, and there's a little tiny paragraph in this document that says the CDC has, I'm paraphrasing this, but the CDC has not been able to isolate the virus, and they they do not have in their possession any samples of the virus. And this was from just a few weeks ago. They openly published that. Yes, I think that was back from July, and uh, I believe John Rappaport's been... um, um, uh, re- referring to that report and, and spreading that information around as well. Uh, yes, certainly uh, having seen that, I mean, that, that is so obvious. Uh, you know, that's such a, a blatant admission that, you know, if they haven't got, um, you know, any isolated virus, then you think, well, what, what, what are they based on? Yes, what are all these measures right. based on? Um, but there have been lots of challenges of um People who are writing to various departments in various uh, health departments in different countries, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the UK, um, and, you know, with FOI requests asking for, um, you know, the actual information, um, specific information about uh, this, you know, the virus and isolating it. And they've all come back and said, you know, we don't have that information. So all these health departments putting out the measures based on Nothing. And, and, Nothing, well, yeah. They haven't got the information, so yeah. It beggars belief, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. You sort of are astounded that uh, they actually admit that they don't have the scientific information on which they are basing locking down the world. And you think, how, how does this work? How? Well, we know. We know that the whole thing is a complete fiction and is not based on any scientific evidence. But when they actually admit it, and still carry on doing it, as you say, you just wonder what it will take for the majority of people to wake up and know that this is a complete farce um, and a dangerous one at that. Yeah, and what happens is when they remove some of the mask laws or, well, they call them laws, but they're not, they're just like suggestions. When they remove some of that here in the United States, people still continue to wear them anyway and businesses continue to reinforce it anyway. And so at that point, it's not about government it's like, well, the business isn't necessarily forcing you. The government really isn't forcing you. It's other people. It's not the government's fault. It's other people that want you to wear a mask. So then it becomes a social issue. And then it becomes yeah, difficult yes. to function in society unless you do what everyone else does. And it has nothing at that point to do with government or any agency or even a business for that matter. That's really scary and really dangerous. And I also read something from the New York Times. This was a huge report. Um, did you guys hear the story about the, this is the headline, your coronavirus test is positive, maybe it shouldn't be. Did you read that study or that report? No, we're not that particular one. But of course, we know from looking at the tests and what they are that they're all just a fiction anyway. They don't prove anything. And they're much more likely to prove that or give you a positive result uh, than they are anything else. But they, like with all these tests, as we've often said to people, you know, even going back to sort of the HIV AIDS test, you know, they don't test, they never test for the supposed virus anyway. They're just basing it on sort of what they call antibodies and right. done quite a bit of research on the myth of antibodies, you know, but uh, that's that's another story altogether. But um, no, these, these tests are completely useless, but they're useful for them because they give these false positives 
And so then they, uh, the media just hyped it up by saying, oh, there's an increase in corona cases. What they mean is there's an incre- increase in positive tests. But the, the positive tests don't mean anything. They're just saying people have got something which they haven't. Yeah, in fact. As I say, we, we try and direct people to go right back to square one and say, make them prove that the virus exists and is an active pathogen. And if they can't do that, everything else is nonsense. Um, but that seems to get lost in the fog, if you like. And people are deciding, well, should we wear masks? Should we social distance? How much social distance? How many people in a group? Rather than saying, never mind about any of that. Let's ask the basic question. Let's demand of our politicians, our government, prove the virus exists and is the pathogenic cause of a disease. Uh, And if you can't do that, then we're not taking any notice of you and we're not letting you enact any of these ridiculous measures. And of course, they haven't done any of that. So, you know, this is all based on uh, complete myth. You know, there's just nothing behind it. Um, But it is, like you said, it's extremely worrying that people are... uh, self-imposing these rules Uh, like you say it's no longer that they're being imposed from the from the outside from or even any businesses that they're imposing it on each other I mean that that really is scary Um, but of course that's that's one of the objectives to to get people to believe something and to invest so much into it that they then perpetuate it they, they're, yeah, self-centering. Scary. I mean, yeah. oh, yeah. Don and I have noticed because we're great observers of people and we've noticed that in the UK, because uh, there's not been any rules in the UK that says you must wear masks in the street. I mean, we never do anyway. Dawn and I never do that. But there's been no rules that say you're supposed to. You're only supposed to wear them if you go into buildings, shops, restaurants and things like that. And yet we notice lots of people wearing the masks in the street. So they've imposed that on themselves. There's not been any government rule that says they need to do it. And this just shows how this herd instinct works you know and i believe it's all part of the social engineering which of course all this is uh to see just what people do and uh, and i think we will see that we will see governments taking away restrictions and watching what people do i mean that's is a is like a badge isn't it it is it's so a litmus test the, it, it's the a... agencies they can see who they've got under their control uh and that and putting a mask on is a sure way to indicate to them yes i'm acquiescing i'm 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 under your control. That's what I've said from uh, the beginning about the masks. It's a, it's a litmus test to see who is going to participate and who's not, and who's, yeah. and people who don't are socially shamed. I mean, obviously, if you don't let that bother you, then I kind of laugh it off. Uh, yeah. I want I want to read this little paragraph to you guys from the New York Times. This is really incredible how openly acknowledging they are of the PCR test. Uh, they say the PCR test amplifies genetic material from the virus in cycles. The fewer cycles required, the greater amount of the virus. We we know how that works. But here's what what they said. Listen to this. This is incredible. In three sets of testing data that included cycle thresholds compiled by officials in Massachusetts, New York, and Nevada, up to 90% of people testing positive carried barely any virus. Most tests set the limit at 40 cycles and a few at 37. This means that you are positive for the virus the coronavirus, if the test process requires up to 40 cycles. Tests with thresholds so high may detect not just live virus, but also genetic fragments, leftovers from so-called infections that pose no particular risk. So that's in the New York Times. They're basically saying they've amplified the cycles for the PCR tests 
and that's why they've got so many cases. Otherwise, on average, they go through different examples. On average, like 80 to 90% of the positives are not actually positive. And it- no, I, I think um, I think I've read somewhere that uh, with enough amplifications, you could prove somebody's got every, everybody's got something. Um, so that's why they they recommend the amplifications at something like I think it was 30 or 35 times, and not to exceed that. But of course, they've exceeded that, which means that they've got more. Uh, so-called positives but that the it's nothing to do with the virus it's just just genetic material that they're amplifying um but it it's not the genetic material is is not being matched to anything uh any real kind of virus because they've never isolated purified a virus in the first place so it's just they're, they're finding more and more uh if you like genetic material but as you say you know they're not finding much in the way of so-called virus again you know the so why we say so-called virus we've explained they- um but they you know they're not actually finding virus they're finding genetic material and that is not the same as finding a virus or a particle called a virus you know and that's where they're getting away with um people thinking that these are cases just because it's a bit of genetic material but it's not it's it's quite complicated and this and this is why the inventor of the pcr as we've said many times carrie mullis um this is why he said right from the outset when they were using it on hiv testing that uh, that's not what the test was designed for. You know, it will give you lots of false information if you use that test, uh, the PCR test. I mean, he was the inventor of it. He got the Nobel Prize for it. You know, so he should know. Um, and yet they just carry on doing it. And that's that's the frustrating thing about all of this. They try to make out that all the things they do are based on science and nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing that they do is based on science. In fact, it flies in the face of science, whether it's the PCR test, whether it's a fictitious virus, whether it's masks, social distancing, all of these things uh, are not based on anything scientific whatsoever. And that's what's so frustrating about this whole thing. And then they even admit it. They admit it. And if you read the documents, if you read the papers that they publish, you're, you're, you're right, David, they admit it. And they'll even tell you, and I want to discuss this when we come back from break. They'll say, well, you could sneeze, you could cough, you could talk, and that spreads the virus. But when you read those reports where they do the study on people talking and sneezing and coughing, they tell you, and I've read this in multiple reports, they tell you, we could not isolate the virus in the droplets. So it's all based on assumption and implication. Mm-hmm. It's a total and absolute fraud. Don Lester, David Parker, what really makes you ill the book? Get yourself a copy today. You won't regret it. What really makes you ill? Why uh, why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong? I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More with Don and David after this. Hey there, this is Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chats, helping people navigate the rough waters of the vast conspiracy at thehiresidechats.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows 
Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, Ryan, and yourself. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Calling all witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls. Join us for a two-day Halloween extravaganza featuring the biggest names in the paranormal universe. Friday, October the 30th, and Saturday, October the 31st. Get your tickets before they sell out at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth, the choice is yours. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. May I have the password, please? The Fringe FM. That's right, sir. That is the password. Hi, this is Andrew Kaufman, MD. I'm a natural healing consultant. Please contact me on my website at andrewkaufmanmd.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Brian Gable. Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. TheSecretTeachings.info is our website. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. That's rdgable at yahoo.com if you'd like to get in touch with us. You can also find us on Facebook at The Secret Teachings. Don Lester, David Parker, our guests this evening. What really makes you ill is the book, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. One of the things that I've come across in the last couple of months is all of these reports and studies about particulates when we talk and when we sneeze and when we cough. And a lot of people in my personal life have shown these studies to me and they've said, look, this proves what you're saying wrong, Ryan. You can spread the virus or you can spread any kind of contagion by coughing and sneezing and even talking. And I said, "Okay, well, let me read that because I'd like to be informed if I'm incorrect. And I read it, and every time I read it, it always says, whoever the author was, it says, we couldn't isolate the virus. We couldn't isolate the virus when people play instruments and they blow into the instrument. I saw a study on that. 
We can't isolate the virus in a clean room where people are coughing intentionally. We couldn't isolate anything. They're just assuming that we talk and droplets come out and the droplets themselves are the virus, which it kind of has this implication that like human connectivity, seeing people's faces, shaking hands, even having, you know, sexual relations, having any kind of um, connection to another human being, talking, all of these things are like dangerous and poisonous and bad for the environment and bad for society. It's very anti-human when you break it down, it feels like. Very much so. And, and that's that's why I sort of used the term social engineering uh, a little earlier. Uh because we know there is no, as I said, uh, at risk of repeating myself, as we, as I said, there is no scientific basis for anything they're doing. So you've got to have a look at what is the reason, what it, what are they up to, and we we can talk about that if you wish. But the social engineering part is is quite worrying, and and it ties into what we were saying earlier, how then people are self-censoring as to what they say, they're self-censoring and imposing rules on themselves as as we said in the uk people wearing masks walking about in the streets when they, they haven't been asked to do that even by the ridiculous government but um uh, it becomes the norm you know when people start to which infuriates me when they talk about the new norm this is a phrase that you, you hear a lot uh, and I, it just sends shudders down my spine when people are accepting a new norm where they're not going to be able to meet people in large groups. They're not going to be able to walk about without masks on. They're always going to have to keep the distance. I mean, and this is really anti-human, as you say, because we're, as human beings, we're social creatures. And this is really important to us to, uh, particularly to be able to see facial expressions. It's very important for young children to be able to see it, particularly sort of babes in arms you know to be able to see their mother's expressions so i i think we're we're going to end up with a whole generation of damaged children who have not been able to grow up in their formative years um been able to interact properly with people particularly their parents where they've not been able to see the expressions and wonder why they've got these hideous black masks on which uh, a lot of people seem to like to wear they're not even pretty you know they're they're hideous um well, they come in different colors and different designs now, and you can you can accessorize your mask. You can. Oh, I've seen that. Yes, there was uh, various things where, uh, like a sort of sweatshirt type top, and now you know with a matching pink um, mask. Yeah. So yes, it's it's but it, it shows that it's not intended to be a short term thing. Obviously, uh, with these different companies putting things out, it, it looks like it's intended to to keep going um which obviously is is part of the intention but that really is not a good idea this has got to stop as soon as possible because uh, you know as david was saying with with the way people are not interacting with each other you know th- this is this has got to stop before it becomes so ingrained in people that it becomes right. accepted as normal and it really really isn't normal at all and and it's driving wedges between people not oh, only absolutely. uh as you say and i think this from the reports we get is worse in the states where people are sort of almost attacking one another in the street if one person is not wearing a mask you know we've not had so much of that over here but um, there is certain social pressures put on people so you've got and they try to encourage neighbors to sort of uh, snitch on their neighbors oh yeah you know if they're having too many people around their house or they're not wearing masks when they think they ought to we've even had 
I know reports, because uh, uh, I have <laughs> contacts with the police over here, where they ring the police up and say that their neighbour has coughed over the fence uh, <laughs> in their general direction. And you just think, I mean, yeah. thank thankfully, the police don't do anything about it. But the fact that people are ringing up the police and reporting their neighbours for such a thing as coughing over the fence. But <laughs> even though, as Ryan was saying, you know, the reports show that there's nothing in whatever is being coughed that, that is causing danger. But now um, people are, have bought into the, the lie that, you know, there is something contagious and dangerous and infectious out there that they can all get. And yet, you know, people... The streets aren't lined with people dropping down, uh, dropping down dead or, you know, collapsing or whatever all over the place. So I don't understand how people can still think that there is a uh, pandemic or, or a serious illness mm -hmm. going around. It really well, it's, it, it it's, just, it's purely based on what the media put out. And, and the media are a very important part of this. I mean, if you shut down the mainstream media, no one would know that there was anything happening anywhere. Exactly. I mean, they, exactly. they are yep. extremely guilty in this and I, I hope that one day soon they, they will get their comeuppance along with the governments that have uh, um, sort of perpetrated this crime on humanity because without the mainstream media they wouldn't have been able to do it um, and the, the media uh, it's not as if they're even telling the truth about anything you know they're, uh, they're just per perpetuating lies and winding people up and thinking up new ways to sort of uh, scaremonger People. I've got uh, I've got two unbelievable things I wanted to share with you, and I was sort of saving this if this came up. But the Centers for Disease Control, listen to this: the Centers for Disease Control. Remember they they said this thing about social distancing and having close contact with people. Well, it, it was that you shouldn't have close contact for more than fifteen minutes at a time, and if you do, uh -huh. then you should get a test because you might be sick. Well, now they've reversed both of those things. They're saying you don't need to test if you've been in someone's presence for 15 minutes, even if you know that they've tested positive for the virus. And they said, this was in the Washington Post back October 21st, they reversed their six feet separation policy recommendation, saying that it's 15 minutes in the presence of somebody who has the virus. This is all intended to be confusing and all this minutia. If 15 minutes or more over a 24-hour period. So I guess you're supposed to clock the amount of time you talk to somebody within six feet. So they've changed every little recommendation. And somehow people that follow this and think that this is, like, important, they move along with whatever the authority tells them to do, Fauci or the CDC, through the media. And today it could be, hey, you need to stand six feet apart. And tomorrow they could say, actually, it's six feet and three inches. And there would be people with measuring tapes, you know, marking yeah, out yeah. six feet, three inches, as if yesterday it didn't matter. But today that extra three, those extra three inches are going to save you. It is yeah. unbelievable. And, and if I may, I got to add one more thing. Did you, yeah. did you guys see that this, our Centers for Disease Control, this is a, a literal report a real report, they said that the problem with the virus, and Forbes magazine published a separate piece that goes along with this, the problem with the virus and the reason it's spreading, number one, the CDC said, because white men aged 18 to 24 are not washing their hands. That's a real report. And then another one from Forbes that said the only reason the virus is spreading is because people speak English, and English spreads the virus quicker than other languages. <laughs> Oh, that is just absurd. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. I, I mean, the second one's absurd. The first one is, is far more worrying. 
uh, because obviously it's got sort of you know racist overtones and all those and, and certainly uh, yeah what yeah white young men aren't aren't washing their hands uh, it, it's uh, yeah well it's things I, ha- like I have that, no words it's just absolutely outrageous it's things nothing like, to do with it's that. things like this that I sort of almost welcome which may sound sound a strange thing to say because. Because they are so ridiculous and so patently ridiculous that I'm hoping that more and more people will see that and and say that, well, come on, this is just stupid now. And at last they get the breakthrough and stop paying any attention to them at all. Um, I, I sincerely hope that's what's going to happen, that these monsters that are perpetrating this on humanity will are overstretching themselves with their ridiculous rules that as you say they keep changing it uh, almost every other day but that thing about young young men i mean that's just offensive well of course it's not just i mean of course it is it's It's meant to separate and and divide even further is what it's meant to do well it's meant to separate and divide people even further not only are you looking hey there's someone without a mask but oh they're 18 19 20 years old they're white so they must be yeah. the reason the virus is spreading. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all part of this social engineering and creating divisions. It's the age-old divide and conquer. If they can get as many uh, factions, shall we say, fighting with one another, you know, it, it'll almost be, well, we found people that wear white T-shirts are more likely to <laughs> spread the disease than people that wear red ones. Right. You know, it's almost as ridiculous as that. And I'm sure some people would believe it. I'm probably going to have people writing in now saying, is that true? (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me at all. We we may get a few emails on that one. I'll let you know. Um, And this is the ridiculous nature of it. But as I say, I'm hoping that they're overstepping the mark so much that more and more people will see the ridiculous nature of of it and uh, stop listening to anything they say. Uh, But in the meantime, it is it is quite worrying. There was one thing that we was going to say, uh, if if I can sort of go back to what we were talking a little bit about Halloween candy, because it's something that uh, yeah, of course, Don and, I, uh, Don and I could see coming, and that was that, as we've said, without going into the details too much, you know, within the sort of uh, candy that gets put out at any time, but in particular at Halloween, you know, there's a lot of um, ingredients that are in there which uh, are toxic. You know, with the sort of even though you get may get ones that say no artificial uh, colorings. But as you as you know, uh, I'm sure better than we do, Ryan, you've made a big uh, study of it, that uh, that sentence of uh, no artificial color uh, colorings can cover a multitude of sins because things that they get to call natural would be things that you would certainly not want within any food product. You know, there can be extracts from animals. Well, gelatin is one of them, but I think there's some more disgusting areas that they uh, extract uh, things from. But they still get to call them natural when there's nothing natural about them at all. Yeah, my and favorite. Flavors. My favorite is that flavor one. Yeah, you were about to say that the uh, beaver anal glands. Did you guys read about that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I was going to say before we get on to flavorings. I mean, one of the main things in sweets is uh, what makes them sweet, which is the sugar. And um, in some sweets that we looked at, uh, 
the uh, there were four um, items listed as ingredients that were actually various forms of sugar. So, you know, there's sort of, as well as sugar, there's glucose syrup and um, what's the other one, dextrose and caramelized sugar syrup. So, you know, they they kind of, they put lots of sugar in there. And of course, you know, you're going to get reactions to that. That causes problems in the body. But um, anyway, go back to flavoring. Just, yeah. just to come back to what I think it's worth uh, elaborating what you were just saying there, Ryan, about the... Uh, the anal glands of a beaver, if you'd like to continue with that. I mean, I know it's pretty revolting, but I think people need to know this stuff, you know, as to what they're getting in their uh, candy. Yeah, the beaver anal glands. That's one of the most disgusting things I've ever read for strawberry, and I think they do it for chocolate ice cream too. And that is classified like anything else that's natural. If it's in the environment, if it tastes like something that's in the environment, it could be a sweet taste, a sour taste then they can call it a natural flavor because it technically is natural. And that, ingre- mm. that ingredient is castoreum, but it'll, it, yeah. it'll be under natural flavor. And, and also, I think that this candy thing, which I do every year for Halloween, I do a show on this or maybe two or three, I think it's very relatable to COVID-19 and disease because let's say I decide I would like to sit down and eat a big bag of candy, and I do that. And I get kind of sick. So maybe I feel really lethargic. I feel kind of tired. Maybe because of all the sugar, I get a rash. Maybe my stomach's really full and you get really full and maybe sometimes you have trouble breathing. Well, these are all the symptoms of COVID-19 now. So now I might be sick from a virus, not because I ate 35 Snicker bars. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. It was one of the points we wanted to make uh, on this because we can see this coming, you know. That, uh, as you say, everyone, particularly children, will have uh, overindulged in this toxic waste uh, that's called candy. And uh, the body will go into a detox mode because that's what it is. So you get the, as you say, you get the headaches, you might get rashes, you'll certainly get congestion, you know, runny nose, which under normal circumstances, parents would have thought, oh, little Johnny's come down with a cold. But, you know, colds are detox it's a detox process that the body goes through well around something like halloween when you've got all this toxic waste going into children they're going to exhibit these symptoms but now because of this uh, nonsense that's going on they're going to think they've gone down with covid which uh, then means that they're going to uh, probably get all sorts of extra tests extra drugs uh, isolation and, and a complete family disruption as well as the uh, extra poisons that are going to be administered to their children and perhaps to the adults as well. So you can see what's going to happen over uh, over just such a an innocent thing. Well, you say innocent in inverted commas, I think, for Halloween. Um, but a, a normal, normal process, a normal celebration will be uh, blown into something else. But uh, in this case, it will be a rise in uh, so-called COVID cases, which are absolutely nothing to do with uh, a virus at all. So yeah, and and of course, when uh, children also get um, hyperactive, which is one of the other side effects from uh, some of this toxic waste that Including they get, the sugar especially, particularly with the sugars, mm. yeah, and colourings uh, and flavourings, um, they're going to perhaps get labelled as uh, ADHD. You know, because they've now become a hyperactive, so need a drug for that too. Whammy, and uh, then they'll be straight down to the doctors again, because that'll be uh, well. That's uh, that's obviously another uh, mental disease, and so we're going to have to medicate your child with whatever. And uh, again, 
many parents will be fairly compliant with that uh, because they don't want to put up with the so-called hyperactive child, not realising it's the candy that they've given them that's put them into that uh, condition and nothing to do with uh, a true mental disorder. Um, and so the cycle goes on um, and children get labelled as having a mental disorder of some sort and are given further medication, which leads, as we know, to all sorts of uh, life-threatening problems. Um, so it's um, the whole thing is really quite worrying and all born out of people's ignorance and acquiescence to these ridiculous measures um, that the governments are putting on them and their lack of knowledge about what they're feeding their children. I saw, I saw a story that said, I've actually seen a number of these, but I saw one recently that said, these incredibly scary or terrifying COVID symptoms will have you up at night. And then you read it and it's like, Dr. Anthony Fauci is telling people that there are new symptoms, uh, including lethargy, including, uh, you know, fever, including uh, a little bit of a um, little bit of this, a little bit of that, like normal things that any person goes through on a daily basis. Like you work a long day, you get fatigued. Fatigue is one of the top symptoms of COVID-19. I mean, it's preposterously <laughs> fraudulent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, um... and people fall for it. You know, they take it on, as you said earlier, they just take on anything the, that comes out as a governmental statement or through the media, they take it as that's the truth and uh, ridicule anyone like ourselves, of course, um, who say there's a different story to be had here. Um, and uh, I mean, we've even got the situation, I just mentioned it briefly, um, uh, the lady whose son has just gone on to the BBC radio here. This is a 20-year-old uh, university student who's decided to go onto the BBC radio to denounce, I mean, denounce his mother as uh, a dangerous uh, conspiracy theorist. And uh, I don't know, Dawn may remember the lady's name. It's the nurse, Kate Shemirani, who's, who's uh, been putting out quite a bit of information on, you know, the dangers of, well, the, the fact that there, you know, there, there isn't is no a virus. There is no virus, but also the dangers of the vaccine. Um, and she's been uh, at, at a number of the protests in London and speaking out and also sort of presenting at, uh, well, lots of videos, putting quite a lot of information out to um, really kind of, uh, well, help, help people understand that, you know, this really is a hoax. And and yet her, uh, it's well, it's divided her family because her son, has, as David said, has come out and denounced her to the BBC. On, I mean, that is national, just... On national radio. Yeah. And this is, this, is the, this is how far it's gone, where you've got a 20-year-old son denouncing his mother publicly as a menace to society, literally saying that she's dangerous and, uh, you know, this is going to cause deaths. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it was particularly interesting. Well, we couldn't listen to the whole thing. I should have switched it off because it was... Uh, sickening uh, and I do mean that because they couldn't even report the BBC this is couldn't even report accurately and fairly uh, the position that the mother had taken I mean some years ago she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and rather than having chemotherapy or any of the normal uh, medical establishment uh, so-called remedies uh, she decided to uh, look into sort of like Gershon and uh, you know, natural remedies, which actually cured her symptoms. And she's 
fine, her cancer went and she's alive and healthy. But the BBC didn't say any of that. All as they referred to is the fact that she'd had breast cancer, but sought refuge and comfort in herbal remedies. That's all they said. They never said, and it actually cured her. <laughs> and this is how distorted uh, they put out their information, just a little example of it. But the main point being that, uh, it, you know, her own son has felt it necessary to denounce her publicly on uh, the BBC. Uh, you, you just think, where, where is this going to end? Well, you, you could that sort of thing. you could take um, any any official name for like a part of the body, for example, like the epidermis, the outer layer of your skin, and you could you could tell someone you have epidermis, and they'd be freaking out. What am I going to do? I've got epidermis. You just have skin, but it sounds scary. You know what yes. I mean? That's what yes, it's the science thing because um, so somehow um, well, science scientists have made out that science is such a, a specialized area that only certain people understand it, and the general public don't understand it. So they have to explain it to us, and we can't look for ourselves um, because we just you know if we're not trained in it, then we don't understand all their terminology, and and so the whole anything that's put to um, be based on science that everyone just, well, just believes it because so few people actually bother to look into it and all these different uh, terms and the jargon is, is so complex and all these different uh, um, ways of explaining things it's too complex for you know the simple souls and so you know they well it's, it's being blinded by science isn't it so it is, it is. people don't look into it but as you say you know just use just use a you know, a, a technical term or a bit of Latin and, you know, you scare everybody. Well, that's, I've done shows on this before where people will say, yes, yeah, science is like a, is like a new priest craft, but it really mm -hmm. is. I mean, the white lab coats themselves are like the robes of the Druidic magicians, the different colors, the way that they wave around medical papers or stethoscopes or little tongue compressors. These are like the magic wands, the language that they use. Yes. Speaking in Latin, you have osteoporosis and you have dermatitis and these sound like really scary things, but it's, it's like uttering a curse or it's like uttering a spell, but it's really simple to understand if you read it yourself and you don't rely on an authority figure to tell you what something means, because you could say, you could just create statistics. Like if you have epidermis, if you have skin, everybody's got skin, if you have skin, you're a hundred percent likely to die in your lifetime. <laughs> right? Yes, of course. Yeah. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how they create these statistics. Uh, yes, it's, yes, exactly. It's ridiculous. And you'd be right, of course. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, it, but yeah. as you say, using the term epidermis, everyone goes, "Oh, what's you know?" And and most people, the vast majority of people, don't bother to look it up. Uh, I mean, we we did a a whole section once, uh, not so long ago, with uh, one of the interviews which was all to do with education. I won't go through it all now, but um, it's the way people are educated right from when they first get to school. And it's not an education, it's an indoctrination. And people are educated in a certain way to be conformist and to respect authority and not to question it. And, uh, <clears throat> and that's where it all starts. And of course, that uh, they're sort of designed and trained 
uh, in a way, just to be factory fodder or cannon fodder, as we often say. But and, it shows uh, how, how effective it is because everyone's following orders, even though the orders may be changing, um, you know, and they're or, self-imposing, though. So it shows, it, it shows how they, you know, they are following authority and it really works. And you, you wonder if, uh, you know, one of the reasons why they keep changing the um, information they put out and things that people are supposed to follow uh, intentionally to see just how um, how much people have are just simply following the orders without bothering to question. I mean, anyone that does question is is then be called uh, you know called a crazy or a nut. Um, so yes, it, it is all divide and conquer, but it is it's certainly worrying that so few people are bothering to look into it. They just say, oh well, yes, of course it's been isolated. Of course, um, it's caused by a virus, and yes, you've got to follow this, and yes, you've got to, you know, if you don't wear a mask, then you could be, you know, killing off other people. And you, you want to say with what? Why? <laughs> well, the, the BBC, I noticed. The, uh, you know, they won't answer. I noticed the BBC, and this was only yesterday. I try not to watch it, but sometimes you have to to just see where they are. And um, <clears throat> because they'd made it a rule, although people, like you said, think it's a law that on public transport you must wear these hideous masks all the time. Um, and but, but the newscaster was saying, but there are some selfish people. Who don't want to wear a mask you know so if you don't wear a mask you're selfish rather than uh, you know so immediately there's the uh, a stigma attached to anyone even though under the government guidelines their own guidelines they acknowledge that some people for because of underlying health issues cannot wear a mask you know it can either be psychological uh -huh. so they they acknowledge that that's a fact and yet you've got newscasters on the BBC in, in mainstream news saying that if they're not wearing a mask, they're just selfish. Uh, no mention of the fact that this, these people may have an underlying health problem. Uh, that is that is gaslighting and bullying. Pure and simple is all that is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and this is why I get very angry about the media's uh, complicity in, in all of this. Um, because... I often sort of try to get people to remember those who remember back to October of last year with the uh, event 201 that was, uh, for those who were looking, you know, was on the internet where uh, all the sort of Bill Gates type people had got together uh, to talk about a fictitious virus arising in China and all the measures that they would need to take. Uh, one of which they decided, which was the most one of the most important, which is which is a complete control of the media, so that uh, it was sort of twenty four seven um, propaganda going out. They didn't use that word, of course, uh, to information keep control. Yeah, keep hitting people <laughs> yes. over the air, uh, and not to allow any dissenting voices let's, let's, and of course this is exactly what they've been doing you know shutting down people's youtubes not allowing any debates on television or radio where anyone could put up an alternate view uh and uh, so they said exactly what they were going to do back in october of last year and it's there for people to see uh let's even, go into let's go into more detail of that let's go into more de detail of that when we come back because there are a few other things on that note about event 201 and others that I wanted to share with you, a show that I did on Monday called Dark Winter. I want to get your take on that, if you know what that is. I want to get your take on a clinicaltrials.gov Yale University study from a few months ago, back in July, about how to coerce the public into doing things that are 
not good for their health, let's say, to keep it really simple, but how to manipulate people into doing that. We'll talk about dentistry and some other stuff that Don had told me that she wanted to talk about. Don Lester, David Parker, the book, What Really Makes You Ill, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. I'm Ryan Gable. My book is Food Philosophy. It's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. That's thesecretteachings.info. More with Don and David right after this. The Secret History of the World and the Sacred History, and you've been listening to The Secret Teachings. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info you could listen to this and that show is now running all day friday and all day saturday on history channel which is really amazing i don't know if there's any other show on tv that's doing that right now so i hate this channel or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself ryan gable five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find the Fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books. www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Are you ready to explore the unknown and the secret teachings? Do you have everything you need? I've got my secret socks on, and my secret TV, and my secret TV channel. SpongeBob sounds ready. Are you? Why listen to the Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio. The mainstream media won't touch. Joe Root brings you everything occult with Lighting the Void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. 
For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. What happens when you bring the Fringe FM together with the world's leading paranormal experts and influencers? What if no topic was off the table, including paranormal events, conspiracy theory, witchcraft, psychic abilities, astrology, ufology, and more? And what would happen if you broadcast this event in crystal clear video live around the world, allowing viewers to interact with their favorite presenters? You would have created the monster that is the Fringe Fest 2020. Two nights only, Friday, October 30th and Saturday, October 31st. Go to thefringefest.com for more info. Get your tickets today at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth, it's up to you. It's, it's great to know that there are some young people in America who do have a good mind and are actually seeing what's going on and doing something about it. And that's why I'd uh, be delighted to come on your show anytime. You call me and I'll be there. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. You can find The Secret Teachings five nights a week, Monday through Friday. We're here every night of the week, right here on The Fringe. Our website is www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Don't be afraid to send us a message, rdgable at yahoo.com. Our guests this evening, Don Lester and David Parker, authors of What Really Makes You Ill, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong. And I know a lot of you think that I know a lot about health. And maybe I do, but when I read this book, I learned more in the pages of this book than I've learned in the last four or five books I've read about health. It's an incredible, incredible compilation of material. And I'm not just saying that to talk Don and David up. It's really like one of my favorite books, What Really Makes You Ill. You can go and get yourself a copy of that today. Don Lester, David Parker, What Really Makes You Ill. 
Don and David, I have something I wanted to share with you in relation to what, David, you were saying at the uh, the end of the last segment. You were talking about Event 201. Do you guys know anything about Clade X or about Dark Winter? There's other exercises for bioterrorism and pandemics. No, those, those yes, names... I, I have heard of the Dark Winter. It's, it's come up fairly recently. I've not looked into it in, in any detail. Um, but obviously, as we're heading towards winter, I suppose it's something we need to learn a little bit more about. Uh, please, please, uh, I'd like to know. Yes, I, I'm familiar with the name, but I don't know the significance of it at this stage. Well, I, I've talked about it for a couple of uh, couple of months back and forth during this so-called pandemic about Dark Winter, um, about Clade X, and there are a handful of others as well. In 2001, I'll keep this short, but in 2001, there was a bioterrorism exercise, and they actually conducted it ritually on the summer solstice. And when they conducted this exercise, it was about a biological attack using weaponized smallpox. That was the story. And you can get a copy of this script if you go to Johns Hopkins Dark Winter. They have a copy you can download of it. It's still there. I just downloaded a copy the other day. And it's about a bioterrorism attack of smallpox and how the United States goes into a, a, a deep depression because it's a really bad winter and cases of the smallpox are spreading rapidly. People are dying. People are sick. And how to handle that scenario. Now, that came to more public light all over social media when at our presidential debate last week, presidential candidate Joe Biden said, we're actually moving into a dark winter. And then people started thinking, well, that's kind of weird. What does that mean? And they would go and look it up and, oh, it was a bioterrorism exercise about a biological attack and about how we have a really bad winter. And we're actually getting that now, guys, in the United States. We've got record snowfall in places, uh, storms that are just out of the ordinary. I mean, it's naturally in the cycles of nature, but it's out of the ordinary because we haven't had this for a while. So we are entering a dark winter. We do have a so-called pandemic. So it's similar to that exercise. And then you had Clade X. A little bit later on, Clade X was about a novel coronavirus. Um, and then you had a number of others in the middle. And then you have Event 201 that, that you mentioned, David. So it's like all these different exercises and, and, and reports and studies kind of came together. Um, and there was even a story from the Foreign Policy magazine, which is like a huge globalist UN-like newspaper slash magazine. And they were saying... Hmm, isn't that kind of strange? The dark winter exercise from 20 years ago is essentially what's happening today. Interesting how they were able to predict that, all these geniuses that could tell the future. It's like, no, they just put together these different scripts and organize things in a way where they have the solution to the problem, whether they create it or not, and it's always just more authoritarianism. Yes, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and... Just a point I'd like to make, because you, you talked about the sort of uh, freakish weather that you're sort of getting. Um, there's been quite a bit of that around the world. And um, knowing what we know about the uh, weather control systems that they have, mostly secretive, uh, I'm, I'm not just talking about sort of uh, chemtrails, um, but I... Uh, these sort of freakish weather conditions, um, I, I, I'm suspicious now that any of these freakish weather conditions are natural. I know that the planet, of course, uh, has uh, climate changes. You know, there's nothing 
unusual about that. It's done it for millions of years, you know. So all these people who think uh, man's responsible for it because of they use their cars a lot more uh, and CO2. That's all just nonsense. But that's a whole big subject in itself. But the more um, short, sharp uh, climatic changes or local weather conditions, shall we say, more accurately, um, I think uh, a control too. We know we know they have the facilities to do that with uh, things like harp and that type of uh, uh, high frequency high powered uh, radio systems where they can beam these uh, uh, frequencies off the ionosphere and sort of direct them to any point on the earth's surface uh, you know they can move the jet stream about by it <clears throat> by heating up certain areas of the ionosphere so there's all sorts of things they can do to modify the weather and direct storms. And I, I think there's quite a lot of literature about now about using weather modification as a weapon. You know, so on a particular country, they can sort of decide that they're going to <clears throat> have uh, extreme rainfall or the opposite, you know, extreme drought. Uh, and so they can they can manipulate these things, of course, and it's easy to step back and not get blamed for it. So uh, I think people, you know, they can do a little bit of research themselves so uh, it doesn't surprise me, it wouldn't surprise me, should I say, if uh, many, if not all of these uh, freak weather conditions that we get um, are actually manipulated, you know, and that can even be as far as a sort of a, a hurricane um, and the sort of dev devastation that that can cause. They have the technology to be able to, to do these things, not only to cause them, but to move them about. So uh, something that's, that people might like to look into. That's been well documented since... Uh since Vietnam and before actually, uh, I think it was back in the forties or fifties, um, even in the early 20th century, you know, there were experiments in weather control and weather modification, yeah. manipulation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I've, yeah. um, I've looked at that a lot. I actually have a section on my, in my book, the technological elixir about weather control and stuff of that nature. So, um, very well documented. You're right. And I know that, uh, you guys in what really makes you ill, you guys also talk about genetic engineering you did have a small section on geoengineering in the book too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because that all connects uh, and ties in. Go ahead, Don. Yeah. No, all I was going to say was, uh, you know, going back on um, what you were saying about the dark winter and talking about um, using uh, these various uh, so-called uh, infectious diseases as bioweapons. Um, that's that's something again because there is no evidence that any virus or bacterium is the cause of any disease. There is actually nothing that can be made into a bioweapon because uh, obviously bioweapons mean you know a biological entity that is um, believed to cause disease and therefore that's spread around. Now that isn't possible because none of these um, entities have been shown to cause disease. I mean viruses aren't even alive. As, as we've discussed before. Important point, because there's been lots of discussion on the internet and in various sort of alternative media about even the coronavirus itself being some sort of bioweapon created in a lab somewhere, either in China or somewhere else. But as Dawn's quite rightly said, you know, to make a bioweapon out of something, out of some living thing, you've got to prove that one, it's alive, which none of these viruses are, there are just particles, uh, and two is that it's uh, pathogenic, uh, which has never been proved either. So you can't make a bioweapon out of it. I mean, you can make chemical weapons right, you can uh, make chemical out of chemicals, weapons. and this is really what's 
if anything, what can happen? You know, they may make uh, biologic, uh, make uh, chemical weapons, but they can't actually make biological weapons out of something, particularly a virus, which is a, a cellular particle, which is not alive and never has been alive. And this, of course, is one of the big drawbacks for them being able to blame viral particles, so-called, on causing disease. How can something that's not alive, is not a living entity, cause a disease? It's uh, completely so, inert. So if you if and you can't create... Our research shows that it's, it's more likely it's just cellular debris and uh, no one can prove it's anything else. So again, so you they, can't make a bi biological weapon out of it. So David, if you can't create a biological weapon out of it, but you can create chemical weapons and you can't not you, but anybody that that looks for it, you can't find evidence that there's, um, you know, a cause for disease in viral particulates or bacteria. And you guys go into this in great detail in the book, what really makes you ill. But if you can't find evidence of that, just like with masks, and you can't find evidence that they even the CDC says they don't even have evidence of a virus, they, they acknowledge that themselves. So if they can't prove it to you, and when you ask others, can you prove to me why I need to do this or that? And they tell you, well, just rely on what Fauci says or just rely on what the government says. So what they have to do instead of finding evidence and proof is that they create these kinds of reports here. This is from clinicaltrials.gov, the U.S. National Library of Medicine and Yale University, David. And this is a way in which to get people, according to this study, to get people to take a vaccination despite any information that might prove that it's dangerous or even deadly. And they go through a list of ways to convince people to do it. And some of the ideas that they give are uh, guilt messages. They say guilt is a way to convince people. Self-interest, community interest. These are all pretty self-explanatory. You know, if you don't get it, other people are going to get sick. So why would they need to create this long list of control messages and guilt messages and self-interest messages and why would the government and major universities need to fund this if they just had proof they could show us the proof and yeah there might be like 10 people that wouldn't buy it but what about all that evidence if it existed they should be able to just show it to us and then we would be like okay that makes sense i'll do what you're saying but they have to create these manipulative guidelines to trick people into doing it because they don't have any evidence or proof Exactly. And of course, their ultimate, and this is what they've been doing, I believe, in some states, California, and they're trying to do over here in the UK, is because they know people are getting switched on and realise that there's no evidence to prove that any vaccination confers immunity, um, you know, or gives you any protection whatsoever, but that they do cause a lot of harm. There's plenty of evidence to show they cause a lot of harm, but no evidence to show they uh, do any good so they know people are getting wise to this and so what's their final thing if they can't persuade you well we'll make it compulsory mm -hmm. we'll make it uh, illegal for you not to have it but what they're tending to do in the in the UK is to sort of make it compulsory through the back door at the moment you know so some schools will not allow your children to go to their school unless they've had whatever the raft of vaccinations is that they want. So although the government's not made it compulsory, in effect, your child can't go to school unless they've had the vaccinations. And of course, now they're trying to do the same thing for travel, uh, where, I mean, already some countries, you know, I experienced this many years ago when I was working in Africa, um, before I knew anything that I know now about vaccinations. And of course, I had to have all sorts of vaccinations uh, before I was allowed to go into Africa in certain areas. 
But now, of course, they're wanting to extend that to travel anywhere. So, and particularly to ensure that you've had the, whatever this nightmare of a vaccination is going to be that comes down the line to supposedly protect people against uh, the uh, coronavirus, is that you're going to have, a, to have a certificate that says, I've had the vaccination before you're allowed to go anywhere. Uh, and this is really what they're wanting to do. And they're starting to bring that in, uh, I believe, in the UK. Well, I think it's actually already started or it's about to start where UK is going to be one of the first places they bring in the these idea of, of health passports or um, um, some kind of uh, uh, information that you've got to give them about. It's not so much, obviously, with a vaccine, but you've got to give them all sorts of information before you're allowed to fly. And I think moment um uh heathrow airport and with flights going out to newark so i'm afraid we won't be coming to visit you (laughs) (laughs) so yes no not while these are but why they're starting they're actually bringing it into the uk um for you know that they're going to be the kind of guinea pigs as it were for this type of system you guys have a lot of that over there you guys are like one of the testing grounds for surveillance technology and yes any kind of authoritarianism very much so. It's uh, we're, uh, we're supposed to be, and I do believe it, uh, one of the most uh, surveilled populations in the world. You know, I mean, you can't turn a street corner. There's cameras up everywhere. Um, but of course, the, the strange thing is, and I know this has happened lots from friends that have where they've been burgled or things have happened and they've gone to the authorities and said, um, well, surely it'll be on your camera there, which is looking sort of almost straight into my garden. Uh, and always they get the same answer. Well, the, uh, the camera wasn't working at the particular time that uh, you, you're uh, requesting the information. And this always happens. It's not just once in a while. Whenever you want some real information that would be helpful, the cameras for some reason weren't working and that happens on big events as yeah, well i mean yeah. that's one of the big things with um certain again events that have happened here where you think well you know with, with all this cctv surely they would have caught you know the perpetrators of whatever these crimes are and and um they just found oh no they weren't working or they were switched off or you know yeah. somebody oh you yeah know, it's and some of them are quite glaring i mean i was reading some reports, I know, I know it's a few years ago now, of uh, Princess Diana when the sort of infamous car crash in the tunnel in, in Paris. That's the sort of thing that's, I mean. That's yeah. right, yep. yet, again, yet again, just all of the security cameras or all the surrounding area, including in the tunnel, just didn't happen to be working at the time the cars entered the tunnel and the crash. Uh, and they were off. for, uh, And so were the police radios for at least 20 minutes. What a strange coincidence yep. that all the cameras and the police radios had all gone dead all at the most vital time. I mean, again, highly suspicious, I would think. Yeah, same thing with September 11th, 2001 here in the United States. And then it turns yeah. out that the cameras weren't, weren't, were not malfunctioning or were not turned off. It's just that the FBI had gone and confiscated the tapes from the surrounding areas of the Pentagon. So whatever hit the Pentagon was on video. But the FBI just came along and took the tapes, and then they said, well, the cameras weren't working. Yeah. yeah. And, and there were reports out of New York as well where Jeffrey Epstein supposedly hanged himself, where the cameras magically turned off then, or security gets called off of presidents like John F. Kennedy, and then he gets shot. And same thing with yeah, his yes. brother, Robert Kennedy. Security gets called off, cameras go down. So it's like it's like with health. 
the more cameras we have, you'd think it would make us safer, but it actually makes us less safe and we have less privacy. And you would think with all the health care, all the incredible drugs and surgeries and scalpels and vaccines, we'd be healthier. But generally speaking, we're more sick than we've ever been. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, the um, the numbers of uh, people suffering with all sorts of um, chronic conditions is is going up all the time. I mean, we document it in the book with, um, you know, the rates of cancer, uh, which is, you know, now what they're still two. fighting. Yeah. I mean, in, instead of uh, helping people, it's yeah, it's now down to one in uh, yeah, down to one in two, where it was, you know, huge. Uh, I don't know. It, well, it was almost not known in, um, I think, in the years, yeah. well, more, more than that, in the nineteenth century. I mean, there are reports saying, you know, very few. Uh, there are very few cases of cancer that doctors were coming across, but they noticed that um, the the rates were certainly increasing once vaccinations had been brought in, and it, it was something that, again, you know, don't hear very often. That uh, you know, these were medical doctors who were noticing that an in- there was an increase in cases once vaccination programs started ramping up. So you know, there's another link for you. Yeah, I yeah. saw I saw some signs at the store the other day that said, "Get your flu shot, get your flu shot," which is you know normal. But I looked at that and I and I thought something different than I normally think. I thought I just saw the numbers for the flu. They said that like 62 people have died. It's down like 99 percent. Why would anybody get a flu shot now? Like, doesn't at some point this just not add up? <laughs> no, it doesn't add up. But of course, all what use what would have been called flu um, are now being uh, categorised as uh, COVID. So, yeah. yes, I mean, I mean, a lot of people are noticing noticing that uh, you know there, there's not much flu going around. But even then, that's you know that that's still a mistake, which is why we say you know what people know about disease is wrong because these aren't diseases they are uh, the body's processes of expelling toxins and again like we're saying with with halloween with all these you know candy and stuff that that there will be symptoms of um, children's bodies expelling these toxins Uh, also moving as you said um, right at the beginning talking about thanksgiving that's another period where people indulge in uh, overeating over drinking and uh, well if they'll do that this year but it's another time where people have um celebrations and obviously eat somewhat differently from how they would normally do and then are surprised when they have certain symptoms afterwards of, or you know whether they feel a bit lethargic or you know stomach upsets or uh you congestion know, congestion yeah. of, of different much. kinds yeah so uh, and and again you know with coming up to christmas you know there's another period where you know people indulge and then they get um you know the seasonal flu that comes around in january which is not surprising because these are yet more symptoms of detoxification from all the overindulgence in uh, sweet things and sugars and and um, all the different yeah. things that are in food products all the you know the chemicals i mean we i think we talked about processed food products and uh, just how many chemicals are in there and the body doesn't recognize them as food and so it wants to expel them and then um, you know these different symptoms so whether it's rashes or fevers or just feeling lethargic and and all kinds of congestions that are you know that that's all part of the body's normal process yeah and, I mean, straight, and straight after christmas oh, uh, absolutely. again as you can you can see what's going to happen because people as you say in the past as dawn said it would normally be oh it's the flu season you know january february uh, never tied to the detox 
of what's been going off at Christmas. But this coming year, you can see what's going to happen. People will go down with the same symptoms after overindulging. But now it'll be COVID. So, you know, there'll be a, a rise in COVID cases. So we're going to have to put in more stricter measures. We're going to have to have a more lockdown. You know, people obviously weren't doing what they were told and avoiding one another over Christmas. You know, they've been getting together with their family and friends. How against, dare they? How dare, yes, how dare they? <laughs> against our recommendations. And now this is what's happened. So we're going to have to put in some stricter measures. You can see what's going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, unless people wake up and refuse to have anything to do with this nonsense, it will just get worse. Um, and uh, well, that's what this is all about. This is what we try to do in the interviews like with, with yourself, Ryan, and, and uh, try to get the message out there as much as possible to tell people they they don't have a lot of time now. You know, the uh, they're, you know, they're really putting on the pressure, the powers that be um, i'm trying not to use any too uncharitable names to call them but uh, um if people don't start to uh push back and i'm not talking about violence but just to, to wearing the mask for a start because that will take off the badges so that people can the authorities can see that you're not compliant anymore you're not acquiescing to their ridiculous rules and uh, they, they will be forced to back off People to your government to start to show some sense, you know, as we've seen many small businesses are going out of business, you know, little restaurants and uh, cafeterias and bars, and they're appealing to the government to sort of relax the uh, restrictions um, uh, and think the government's going to do something about it. Well, they're not because that's the intention. You know, the people that are pulling the strings in the background here, they want to create chaos, both financial um you know, they, because if they can create this chaos, they know that if people are out of work, they have no money, they have no jobs, they start to lose their houses, they start to become sicker, depressed, even to the point of suicide, then they're much easier to control and they will bring in even more radical measures. Um, and we've seen so, suicide rates have skyrocketed in the United States. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know about the rest of the world. Also, I, there's a couple of things that you guys were saying I took a note of. I wanted to mention, uh, first of all, flu season. Uh, that just sounds like sports to me. It's like this: the flu season kicks off January 1st. Like it's some specific day and time where everybody just magically gets sick. It's all a construct, just like, you know, mm -hmm. diseases and, and, and symptom complexes. It's just a, it's a construct. Um, so here, here's an, let me give you an example. And then I would like to get into the subject of candy and Halloween a little bit more in detail. And we'll skip, okay. we'll skip this third break here too. So we have some more time. Um, but, but recently I've tried to learn how to bake. I'm a good cook, but I'm not a really good baker. So I thought I'm going to try to make a pizza. So I got the flour, got the water, just all raw vegetables on top that I cut up. And, uh, I, I don't do meat or cheese, but I put all the vegetables on top and I made the pizza a couple days in a row and I made uh, a really good one the other night. I finally kind of mastered it and I got so excited that I ate the whole pizza. Now it wasn't like a giant pizza, but it was, you know, it was a good amount. And I woke up the next morning, as would be expected, feeling kind of sick. And <laughs> I know that I know that like 10 years ago, I would have had I would have told someone or I would have gone to the doctor, you know, if I felt like that the whole next day. And they would have probably obviously given me some kind of medication or they would have given me these guidelines on how to take care of myself. But really, it's just I ate too much of something. And now maybe my body's really hot and I feel bloated. 
It, that, that is like the most obvious thing in the world. You put something and too much of it into your body, it's no wonder that you don't feel good, even if that's so-called healthy food. That's like really obvious, first of all, yeah. should be. Um, yes, yes, but as you say, uh, it should be obvious, um, but it isn't to most people. They uh, immediately think they've got something, um, and that that's one of the hardest things for people to get their head around and it's something that we keep coming across with you know people asking us well but i i got this or i had that and they're fixated on this idea that there is a a disease or a a disorder or something that they got or have um instead of as you say you know looking at well hang on a minute what what did i oh i had a little bit too much to eat yesterday yes it was nice but i i had a little bit too much and then, you know, all, all we need to do the next day is to just, you know, take it very easy and be gentle with with what you eat. And then that'll pass and your body will deal with it normally. Um, but as you say, it's uh, it's a completely different mindset. Most people are still stuck in the I've got something wrong. Oh, I need to go to the doctor because they know what to do to fix me. And everyone is just after this quick fix, whereas getting uh, restoring health and, and getting back to a state of health is is takes a lot um takes longer than this sort of overnight fix it isn't an overnight fix but if you do it properly you can maintain it and you can uh you know you you can obviously with these indulgences uh, but you know what causes it and you know what to do to rectify it just by you know being gentle on on yourself and not eating too much that's empowering and of course going to the doctor is probably well not probably is the worst thing you can do yes because all as they're going to do if they do anything is give you some uh toxic medicine and i and i use that uh, purposely because none of the medicines they give you whether it's in pill form or liquid form or any other form um it's all toxic it's all you know petroleum based and it's toxic there's nothing that they can give you that will cure anything you know, it may ameliorate, ameliorate the symptoms temporarily, but it won't cure anything and you will have other side effects from it, too. So it's uh, as we say, as we unfortunately have come to the conclusion in our book uh, by looking at the evidence, um, doctors do not understand the human body. And uh, hence why we've got the uh, quote from Voltaire on the back of the book. Uh, you know, so it's it's the doctor is the worst person to go to you know there's uh, much uh, more informed places to go to and people do need to be very careful about as we say what they put in and on their body uh, and hence we explain the four reasons why people get ill uh, and none of them are anything to do with germs because germs so-called germs bacteria or viruses um, they are not the things that make people ill which we as you said right at the beginning, we spent nearly 800 pages in our book explaining that to people. Um, so we, we do hope they take notice and uh, educate themselves so that they don't fall into these traps and uh, they realize where, if they do get ill, where it's coming from. Where, where, can, to do about it. where can listeners get a copy of the book, Don Lester, David Parker, What Really Makes You Ill? Well, the easiest place is, uh, I mean, any online bookstore, if you Type, type it into your browser of choice uh, for online bookstores. Um, there's surprise me. There's many of them that uh, you can buy it. You're obviously from Amazon. Uh, everything ends up in Amazon, so you can buy it from Amazon anywhere in the world. Um, uh, you can find out more about the book if you go to our website, which is what really makes you ill.com. 
there's quite a lot of information on there and uh, various videos and uh, podcasts that we've done and uh, uh, documents that we've put up there so that people can see. But um, yeah, but it's all in the book. You can buy it as a Kindle version if people don't want to buy the the paperback because uh, it is quite a tome. And um, yeah, the the Kindle versions are about ten dollars, so it's it's not expensive if you if you want to go for that. It's got all the same information in it, and uh, we hope people will take note of it and uh, get themselves educated. They'll take back control of their health and uh, have a better life for it, and it will help them to see through the lies and corruption that's being perpetrated on the whole of humanity at the moment with this fake. Uh, virus um so yeah that's my recommendation ultimately it's self-responsibility self-reliance and it's uh, i think it boils down to when you are able to do that and you work through a process of realizing what that is ultimately it saves you money and it saves you a lot of stress because you don't have to worry about catching a virus per se you just worry about yourself and how you take care of yourself and the environment that you're in and try to limit the toxins that you're exposed to or what goes into your body that's a very empowering thing, and maybe that's maybe that's scary to some people. But in, and on the subject of toxins going into the body, let's spend this last little bit of time tonight talking about Halloween and candy, because I really wanted to discuss that since Halloween is this weekend. Um, sure. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I would eat everything, and I was very, very sick. And all the things that I was sick with have gone away over the years because I've switched not intentionally, but over the years, it's developed into basically what is a plant-based diet, uh, a whole foods plant-based diet. And all my issues, for the most part, have gone away except stress and anxiety, which causes some other issues sometimes with the skin or with the heart. And I know that it's anxiety. I know that it's stress. So that was very yeah. empowering for me to realize that. But let's go back to Halloween, Halloween candy. W w what would you guys like to talk about? And, well, I'd like to mention, because it's, it's attached to it, uh, I'd like to talk about dentistry, which might sound a little strange, but uh, it is it is actually all connected with the uh, toxic intake uh, of Halloween. Um, because one of the other side effects of uh, eating uh, this high sugar content candy um, is uh, rotting pe uh, children's teeth in particular. Now, I know that the sort of mainstream will say it's all to do with bacteria while people get cavities, and but it's not. It's to do with what they eat, and particularly sugar is very bad for ruining teeth. But what then happens, you're into another process then. As children then go to have their tr teeth treated by the dentist, you know, they will want to put in amalgam fillings, you know. Well, amalgam fillings, uh, for people that are not sure, you know, they're very extremely toxic. You know, they, they have toxic metals, a mix of toxic metals in them, uh, which uh, will be mercury, zinc, copper, tin and silver. Um, now, yes, mercury is in there. Now, you, you would think, and I have asked dentists about this, and they get very angry when you question them about it, as to why they ever thought it was a good idea to put mercury, one of the most toxic substances on Earth, uh, why they ever thought it was a good idea to put it in people's mouths. Uh, you know, and some think that it's a good excuse to say, well, they used to be lead uh, and think, well, oh, that's OK then. So you stop putting lead in people's mouths and you put mercury in instead. Um, but, yeah, they really believe this and they really believe that uh, in that mix of mercury, zinc, copper, tin and silver, that somehow uh, that binds it all together. And none of those toxic metals are going to uh, 
get into your bloodstream in any way. And yet it's been proved, particularly with mercury, that it uh, the vapours from it, uh, every time you eat or drink anything, is, is getting into your system. And of course, leads to all sorts of uh, neurological problems, which could be some of the things that children then get treated for, you know, ADHD I'm thinking of again. Uh, but also, which is probably something that people are not all that aware of, is that, uh, and from my point of view as an electrical engineer, it, it's sort of particularly interesting because wherever you get dissimilar metals and you've got a few of them there and what can be called an electrolyte <clears throat> which would be in this case the saliva in your mouth you've actually got a tiny battery so each of your amalgam fillings becomes a little battery which gives out an electrical charge and that electrical charge is disruptive particularly as it's in your mouth so it's disruptive to the brain and the brain's functions and the whole neurological thing. So there can be all sorts of uh, unrecognized problems that are actually stemming from not only the toxicity of the amalgam fillings, which have resulted from the toxic candy that people have had, uh, but also from the electrical discharge from these tiny batteries which are now in your teeth. Now, there's a, and I'll, I'll give you a very interesting case, which I don't think I've talked to you about before. Uh, and this was written by uh, a dentist, uh, uh, I think Mr. Huggins, was it? Mm. In, uh, and uh, a dentist. We include it in the book. Yeah, uh, yeah it's in, in the book. But a very interesting case where, I'll cut a long story short, but uh, a young girl had come to his dental practice to uh, have some dental work done. Uh, but uh, the parents told him that she'd also got leukemia, had been diagnosed with leukemia. And he asked the parents' permissions for, uh, to, if he could take out all of the uh, amalgam fillings that the young lady had got in her mouth. Uh, and they gave him permission to do this. So he took them all out. And um, over a period of just a few days, uh, she was tested and shown that her leukemia had disappeared. OK, now the medical establishment just believed this was a fluke and could be nothing to do with the fact that he'd taken out her amalgam filling. So he said, fair enough, I'll put them all back, which he did. And sure enough, her leukemia came back. So I'm happy to say that uh, they realized that there was actually something in this. And uh, so he did get permission to take uh, take them out again so that uh, the young lady uh, did stay clean of leukemia. But that's. Quite a striking, I think, example of how something like amalgam fillings can cause in a, a young girl uh, leukemia, and which was quite obviously a direct result of the toxicity of her amalgam fillings. So, um, just a, I give that to just so that people can see just uh, the dangers of uh, dentistry, really. And uh, I think the dentist called this uh, uninformed consent. I think that was the name of his book, Uninformed Consent, because people consent to their dentistry without realising just what risks they're being put under um, with just the dental work. Uh, and many of it brought about, particularly in children, brought about where we started this discussion with eating far too many high sugar content sweets, uh, candy. So that sort of ties that together, really.
Um, I was going to uh, kind of uh, concentrate back on uh, flavourings. Um, I, I know there's been um, over the decades a lot of uh, publicity about the um, artificial colours and uh, there are various colours that are now um, being not being used in uh, different sweets, especially um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the numbers. I, I think they're slightly different. Uh, rules that apply in the US and the UK, but certain colours were, were definitely found to be uh, to have all kinds of effects. So it's not uncommon to, to see, and again, these sweets that we particularly looked at said without artificial colours. Um, but what was particularly interesting that um, in the uh, list of ingredients, one of them just said flavouring. No other details. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whereas, yeah. Yeah. So they just said flavouring. Um, now, we've got quite a bit in, in the book uh, about um, food flavourings, and um, we refer to a report that was actually produced in 2012 uh, for flavourings in food and drinks in the UK. And uh, it was quite eye-opening eye to us. Um, there, there are apparently thousands of flavourings on the market. It, it's, a, it's a huge sector in the um, food additives market. Um, but this is particularly interesting. I'm just going to read this bit that the report said, the reason for adding these flavourings to products. And that is in order to alter the taste profile of the basic ingredients of the product, to flavour tasteless base materials, to mask off notes, to boost flavour after food processing, to enhance flavours present or for reasons of economy as flavourings are generally cheaper than flavorful base ingredients. So um, yes, I, I think you know flavorings don't get anywhere near as much attention as um, as they should, um, or as you know color colorings have got. Um, what is particularly interesting that you know I mean that these are uh, chemistry experiments. You know the flavorings are made by various uh, chemicals being put together, and there's one example that uh, we mentioned in the book where. It's 30 different chemicals that can be uh, used to make a particular strawberry flavour. And you think, well, why not just use a strawberry? But uh, no, they have to use 30 different chemicals. Um, the other thing, of course, is that they're, uh, you know, judged to be safe. It's, it's, you know, back to the idea of, well, it's, it's these flavourings are safe as long as they're used within the right amount. Um, now, that might be uh, an, an amount that's deemed to be safe as far as that particular product's concerned. Um, and it's usually uh, assessed, you know, on what what would be a normal kind of consumption. But of course, you know, in these uh, holiday periods and something like Halloween, as you say, you know, kids are going to eat large amounts of this stuff. And so they're taking in rather a large dose at any one particular time. And, and those doses haven't necessarily been tested to see the, the effects or even if they are safe. It's just, you know, they're deemed safe according to certain... Um, Some arbitrary standard. Oh, yeah. absolutely arbitrary. And, and I know in um, America, you've got something, uh, you know, the GRAS, which generally recognized as safe. Um, that That's a, an unusual... Um, situation i think it only applies in the us um but that means that um anything that's given that status doesn't have to be uh, tested it can just you know well it's it's been recognized and so we can use it without it being tested um but particularly interesting um thing uh you know sort of uh, extension of the flavorings 
is that the people who create these flavorings are called flavorists. And I came across a, a, an interesting article where, um, I mean, flavor, there are loads of flavorists, uh, hundreds of flavorists, you know, trying to develop all kinds of new foods. And one of them is these new uh, what are called plant-based meats. So um, there's an article um, where they're talking about uh, this this new craze for the food industry. Um, apparently, uh, according to this article, driven by concerns about climate change. So, yes, climate change now means that uh, we've all got to eat artificial food because that's what these... Um, Flavorists are creating um, various ways of making the, um, if you like, a plant-based protein, but obviously it's, it's a chemical mix, that so they can make products that then taste like meat. These are then going to be put out as uh, vegan or products suitable for vegans. So they're trying to uh, really encourage people to become vegan, but not in a way that will be healthy for them, but in a way that they will then eat these uh, vegan products. So it's, it's again, it's a it's a market, but these products are not going to be, it, it says plant-based, but when we talk about a plant-based diet, we, we're talking about, you know, real plant food, as in fruits and vegetables, not plant-based protein that's been created in a, in a chemistry in a lab. lab. With are, all sorts of chemicals added, so that it tastes like so-called real meat. Are you guys but vegans? Are, are you guys getting some rain there? Uh, yes. Sorry. Um, unfortunately, I'm sorry. It's, it's worse than that. We've we've just got a hailstorm. Would you believe? Um, so I'm not much I can do about it. We've got <laughs> lumps of ice hitting the window, which is probably what you can hear. So uh, do apologise for the background noise. Hopefully, it'll pass over quite quickly. Yeah, we, we've only got a couple minutes here left. I just wanted to read quickly through uh six really weird halloween candy ingredients um you guys ever heard of linolin sorry say that again linolin l-a-n-o-l-i-n linolin oh yes yes lan uh, uh, I think, yes we've sorry lanolin <laughs> oh okay no that's fine yeah yeah that's like it's basically like a sheep sweat like an oily secretion from sheep's wool and that's yes. it. that's in your yes. candy, carmine. I mean, I know you guys know what carmine is, right? The little beetles. Yes. Yes, that's a red coloring, isn't it? But it's from beetles, yeah. Yep. And then there's this one's hard to pronounce, uh, tertiary butyl hydroquinone TBHQ, which is derived from butane, and that's in a lot of drinks and candy. TBHQ. Yeah. Oh no, no, um, not seeing that one. Wow, from from butane. Yep, it's from it's it's a petroleum derived from butane. So the petroleum industry is in on this, yeah. and you find yeah. this, you find this in drinks, you find it in candy packaged. It's all over the place, at least in the states. Um, there's obviously gelatin, which we talked about that earlier. Uh, yes. And then one of my favorites, castoreum, which. Uh, I didn't, oh, yes. I didn't know this, but it can also be beaver urine. Oh, lovely. Really? Yeah, lovely. I just learned that. Yeah, that's... Yes, worse, doesn't it? Wow. As, as if, as if uh, aspartame wasn't toxic enough, they've got all these other things. It's, it's really a, a wonder that the majority of people don't spend most of their time hospitalized, you know. It <laughs> right. really is. I'm surprised, I'm surprised that children survive past the age of 10 really with the, I, the stuff that's being thrown at them I, th I think that i think that all the time and then some of these things are just 
like shellac. You think of shellac, you might think of like some chemical that you put on wood or something to finish a table. It it comes from a bug that's native to Thailand. And that is, they they see, this is the thing. This is a great example. Shellac is a secretion from a bug. But when you look at candy, it's labeled as confectioner's glaze. That's the, the term that they use. Yeah. Yeah. That is so wow. incredibly deceptive, funny, but also really depressing <laughs> and sick. Um, yes, because they've got the glazing agents on on the sweets we looked at. One of them was uh, beeswax. Um, so, of course, you know, that wouldn't be uh, something that anyone who's vegan would want to eat. Um, and then there's another one, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's carnauba wax. Yeah, that's a very popular yeah. one. Yes. Okay. And, uh, but I mean, that's not, I mean, that's just used, you know, as you say, for glazing. So that's just to make sure it melts in your, you know, like it says, you know, melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Um, so, you know, these are sort of like gummy sweets. So, um, but dreadful things for your teeth. And obviously, um, that goes back to how, how these things spoil teeth, ruin health. Um, and, but, but it's a treat, of course. Yeah, it's a treat. You know, it's, have to remember it's a treat. It's, yeah. The words "killing with kindness" come to uh, <laughs> come to mind, don't they? You know, it's uh, you can see how the conveyor belt system works. You know, of uh, feeding the people toxic waste, which makes them ill. So you give them medications, which is more toxic waste. And if that weren't enough, you ruin their teeth because of it, and they go along and have some more toxic waste put in their mouths, and. Uh, and are back to the doctors to get some more toxic waste in the form of medicine to try and correct the damage that's been done. It's, as I say, it's, it's a uh, vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. It's a good cycle. business model for the pharmaceutical stroke petrochemical companies. Um, and hence they're so uh, intent on trying to protect it, you know, against the likes of us that come along and say, hold on, guys, what you're doing is totally wrong and you're poisoning everyone. Uh, so obviously that's why they don't take very kindly to it. <laughs> so some some people are worried about catching a disease, a virus, bacteria, some kind of infection. So maybe they don't go out trick-or-treating for Halloween or maybe they meet people in their driveway because that's safer. Or in Calgary, Canada, I saw that police in Calgary City are telling people to use giant PVC pipes to toss the candy into at six feet away so it slides into the kid's bag. So... <laughs> We're worried about all this stuff uh, because of a virus that has not been isolated and proven to exist officially. Uh, and yet we can turn over any of these candy bars or any of these bags of candy and see highly toxic ingredients that don't even necessarily hide behind a label. They'll just tell you, this is butane. This is lighter fluid. And then we consume that. And then we say, well, the virus that doesn't exist, that's what made us sick. This is like unreal. Uh, yes yes um yes i mean some of the times i've been walking around and seeing what's going on and i and i actually feel that it's surreal you know Uh, i mean yes unreal yes yes you just you can't you know you can't comprehend what is going on it feels like the world's gone mad um but you know it's 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 got to uh uh, come to an end and, and there are certainly uh, people out there who are doing uh, well as, as well as us sort of putting the information out there are various people doing all, all sorts of other um, projects we, and, and legal we, cases we do to- have some legal cases going off at the moment and uh, we're talking to a guy who I think 
sounds the most like he's likely to be most successful because the legal team that he's got working with him are attacking the members of the government personally rather than trying to take out as some others have done sort of uh, indictments against the government as a whole so they can hide behind it the government is this guy uh, is issuing summonses through the legal team to each individual MP on both sides of the House, of House of Parliament, so the Conservatives here or Labour are the two main parties, uh, but he's been issued to them as a personal summons because uh, on the basis that they have acted fraudulently in uh, voting to implement these measures that, that without any scientific evidence to back them up. So they've acted in a fraudulent way. And the legal team, and we're talking barristers here, which is sort of the highest level in the legal profession over here, um, you know, say there is a case to answer and they're happy to take it forward, um, doing much of the work voluntarily, which shows something because uh, <laughs> legal people don't normally work for free. Um, so we think he's got a good chance with that. So that's sort of to give a little bit of hope to people that this can happen very quickly because those summonses, and there's already been a number of MPs um, that have resigned in the UK because the, the person that's bringing this has given them a get-out clause that if you resign and get out of the way and don't be an MP, we won't prosecute you. Mm. And I think up to now there's been 10 MPs that have resigned. The reasons they've given, of course, are something else. That, uh, that, you know, they've disagreed with their leader or something like that. Obviously, they're not admitting to the fact that uh, they've received one of these uh, uh, summons letters and uh, they're basically, basically uh, well, no, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> they're basically well, scared enough to uh, resign and get out of the very lucrative uh, business of being an MP. They get paid a lot of money and they have huge expense accounts. So they have to be pretty scared to chuck that in, which is what they're doing. So we're hoping that uh, as more of these letters arrive on the desks of the MPs, more of them will throw in the towel and uh, basically the government will collapse, uh, which will be a good start. Uh, but they hope to pursue this and uh, actually prosecute MPs for their treacherous behaviour. As they uh, as they should, and we're we're just about out of time, or I'd continue on okay. for two more hours. In, in sixty seconds, we've got about sixty seconds. Uh, where can listeners get the book? And do you have any recommendations for you know those comments and those celebrations of Halloween? The comments of well, it's just a treat. What can parents do? You have anything that you could add to that? Well, I think if they're really going to treat the children is to find non-toxic means of doing it. And there are that sort of thing, you know, and I'm thinking of fruit and nuts and things like that. Nuts. But they need Tangerine to, in a bag of nuts. You know, they need to talk to the children and, and explain to them why these uh, brightly coloured uh, pieces of toxic waste are really not good for them and what can happen to them. And that's up to how the parents can approach that. Um, but if they need help, they can come to our website at uh, whatreallymakesyouill.com and um, obviously uh, read some of the documents that we've got on there, listen to interviews like this one, which we'll put up there. And um, better still, or, or as well as, uh, is buy the book as well, where we explain all of these things in great detail, and particularly the sources of uh, toxic material that uh, can enter your system and what to do about it, uh, and, and to tell you actually what really makes you ill, and uh, how you can avoid it and take back control of your own health. So well worth well worth a look, I would say. What really makes you ill? That's the book, Don Lester, David Parker. 
and we're just about out of time. I'll bring the music up here, but Don, do you have any last comments? Uh, no, I, th I think that was all fairly well covered by David. Um, yeah, I mean, ma mainly that the book is available on most uh, Amazon or, or other online bookstores. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. It's always a fun conversation. Yes, we've enjoyed it too. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. All right, Don Lester, David Parker, What Really Makes You Ill, that's the website, that's the book, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong. Check it out today, get your copy. I also have a book called Food Philosophy. You can find that at thesecretteachings.info. That's thesecretteachings.info. The Fringe Fest is coming up this weekend, thefringefest.com. You can get your tickets today. It's like $10, $15, something fun to do for Halloween. And you get a 15% discount with my name, Ryan, R-Y-A-N. And if you're listening to this in a year from now, way after Fringe Fest, you can still go back and watch that conference. And you can always go back into our archive and listen to all the old shows with great guests like Don and David, Karen Dahlman, Harold Kaltz, and so many others. You can subscribe on the website at thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.